And then the doctor said, uh, I'm sorry. There's nothing that we could do. We did everything we could, but there was nothing more that we could do. And I just remember thinking, what? I'm Zoe Fox, and you're listening to the Curl Squad's Curl Power Podcast. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. And if you're new to this podcast, thank you for joining me for the first time. If you managed to listen to my last guest interview with Jamelia Donaldson, the founder and CEO of Treasure Tress and the co-founder of The Teen Experience... She pretty much summed it all up perfectly when she said that hair is the entry point of the conversation. And that pretty much sums up exactly what the Curl Power podcast and the Curl Squad is all about. I've met so many people where hair has been the entry point of the conversation. And it really does go so much deeper than that because besides this hair that connects us, There's a story behind each and every one of us. And my life experience is broad and it's varied and I've definitely overcome a trauma or two, but it's taught me some really valuable lessons about life. Each thing that I've been through has taught me something significant. If this is the first episode you're listening to in my solo episodes, I tend to talk a little bit through my own life experience uh, but I also do guest interviews as well so the shows tend to alternate between my experience and um, special guest episodes and in this episode I'm going to share some of the details of a day that disrupted life as I knew it I think it's fair to say that it definitely changed me forever it even felt weird creating the artwork for this episode I don't know something in it just felt inappropriate and disrespectful thinking about whether the text should be pink or whether it should be purple but at the end of the day I was still writing the same thing and this episode is about the day that my boyfriend died. Life is just this series of events and some of these events just wash right over us like water off a duck's back and others just reverberate right through the very core of our being, changing our world as we know it. And this day was definitely one of those days. And it's funny really that the timing of this episode is in sync with this really significant date for me. And it just so happens that that's how it worked out. I launched the podcast and it just so happens that This episode is perfectly in sync with the anniversary of my boyfriend's death. April the 17th, 2002. I was 18 years old and I was living with my boyfriend and we'd been together for a couple of years. We were both getting ready for work that day and we had a really petty argument, something to do with an ironing board. Yeah, because we were both getting ready for work, so it was something to do with that. My boyfriend just sort of, like, leant against the wall. I just remember this look in his face, like, what's going on? And then he just sort of, like, slumps down the wall. And I'm just like, what's happening? You know, didn't really, couldn't really make sense of what was happening. Um, And then he's on the floor, and the only thing that I could think to do was to 
put him into the recovery position. So that's what I did. So now he's on the floor with a sort of greyish colour to his skin and he started to make gurgling noises. And I'm just thinking like, what the heck is going on? So I phoned 999 on my mobile phone and I got through to the operator and the operator was uh, trying to tell me how to do CPR. And first of all, she was like, is he conscious? And I'm like, no, he's not conscious. And then she's like, has he got a pulse? I'm like, no, he hasn't got a pulse. So she was like, right, you need to start CPR. So that's what I did. And I remember as I was breathing into his mouth, I could just sort of like feel the air rushing back up and out. And I looked at him and his eyes just looked blank. And I remember sort of trying to balance the phone on my ear while doing chest compressions and the the woman on the other end of the phone was just saying, just keep going, keep going and talking me through doing all of these compressions. And I just remember thinking, oh, where's the ambulance? I just really needed someone to come and help me. I remember just hearing distantly the sound of the siren come in as I was just sort of trying to do the breathing into his mouth and doing the chest compressions and eventually the paramedic turned up. Um, it was just a, a guy on a motorbike. And as soon as he came in, I was just like, oh, I just needed to get out of there. So I remember going outside and just sort of like standing in the street, just thinking, what the hell is going on? I remember there being just like this queue of traffic um, that just happened to be outside on the road and everybody was looking. I think it's because the ambulance was there and stuff. But I just remember just feeling totally spun out and just looking around like... My head was in slow motion, but in super speed all at the same time, just thinking, what you know, what is happening? I remember calling my best mate because she lived around the corner. I remember waiting for her to come and just thinking, you know, everything's going to be okay, but is it going to be okay? You know, I just felt so confused. Then they brought him down on a stretcher. We lived in a flat, so um, they had to bring him down on this sort of like seated stretcher thing. And I thought, oh, well... It looks like he's sort of sitting up and the ambulance are there like obviously they're gonna everything's gonna be okay they're gonna they're gonna make him okay and then i phoned my mom and i was like mom i think g is dead and she's like what do you mean you think g's dead and i was like i think he's dead and then she's like right i'm, I'm calling your dad so my mom called my dad sent my dad after the guy on the motorbike came um then an ambulance sort of came after that they took him into an ambulance and told us that they were taking him to the nearest hospital. So then my dad came and me and my best mate got in my dad's car and I'll never forget that drive. That drive to the hospital, just in my head thinking, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And then, but part of me was also thinking, he's gonna be okay, of course he's gonna be okay. How can he not be okay? He's 22 years old, this is like, of course he'll be okay, the ambulance will help him. But then that other part of me that was just like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I remember pulling up at the hospital and parking up and then going into the into the hospital entrance and going to the reception desk and saying, I'm here to see, and I gave his name. And she said, uh, bear with me a minute, I'll just get the doctor to come and see you. So my dad, myself and my best mate were just standing in the, in the foyer at the hospital and then this doctor come down and 
he was like, uh, do you want to come with me? So I went off on my own at that point, sort of half expecting him to take me to him. And then he took me into a room and in the room was like a sofa and on the, at the side of the room there was a table. On the table there was a box of tissues and I'm pretty sure there was like a vase of flowers. And I'm just sort of thinking, okay. And then the doctor said, uh, I'm sorry, there's nothing that we could do. We did everything we could, but there was nothing more that we could do. And I just remember thinking, what? And my knees just went weak. And I remember sort of like falling down to the floor. And just my energy, it all, it, it all just disappeared. I just felt my heart, my heart was broken. And it, it, I, could, I could just feel it. And I said, where is he? And they pointed to a door in the room and they said, he's just on the other side of that door. And I was like, I need to get out. So I went out back into the foyer to find my dad and my best mate and um, tell them the news. Obviously we were all devastated and I was just in such shock, such total shock. My dad went in to go and see him. I just couldn't, I just, something in me, I just couldn't face him. I just, I could, I still couldn't believe it. Sadly, he was orphaned. His mum and dad passed away at different stages for different reasons. So it was just him and his brother. And I remember his brother turning up at the hospital. I'll never forget that. Seeing him walking towards me and just looking at him and thinking, I've got to tell you that your brother's dead after you've already lost your mum and your dad. And I just remember crying and just hugging him and... Oh, that was a day from hell. I remember going from the hospital then, my dad dropped us back off at the flat. I just wanted to be there for a bit. And um, I just remember going through his phone book and phoning people and just saying... Hi, um, G's dead, G's dead, G's dead. It's like I had to just keep saying it to get it to sink in. Oh, it's weird as I'm telling this back now. I'm, I can feel myself shaking. There's still a lot of energy from the trauma still within there, you know, when you really go into the story and connect with it again and, and feel it. Despite all of the therapy and all of the work that I've done since to, to come through the other side, there's... Uh, you know, it still lives within the very fibre of my body. So that night I took a couple of belongings and went to go and stay with my mum and dad. The next day my mum and dad were due to go to Scotland on a trip that was already planned to go and see some family. And we decided that I was going to take that trip with them. And I remember that night mum and dad ordering a Chinese takeaway and I just I wasn't hungry. I just couldn't eat and for me that's quite something because I love my food and I went to bed that night and I think I slept in with um, with my parents and I remember waking up in the morning and just for that split second that split second when I opened my eyes I'd forgotten it just felt like a normal morning and then I looked and I saw my dad and it was only then when I was like why is my dad doing there? 
that it all just came back to me and it, it was like being hit by a 10 ton truck of just this pain, this grief, this disbelief, this emotion just, and then he looked at me and I looked at him and I just cried and cried and cried. And that day we went to Scotland and I remember the drive up there, such a long drive from the Midlands all the way up to Scotland. And I remember just going through waves of like, you know, one minute sort of sitting there looking out the window, listening to the radio, to the next minute just in, engaging, really engaging in those feelings of devastation and just bawling my eyes out like hysterically. And then I remember we stopped at a service station and I was sitting outside on a bench and this little robin just sort of like was bouncing around me. And then the little robin came and sat right next to me. And I just thought, is that you, G? Are you in there? And when we were in Scotland, somebody arranged, I think my dad arranged for me to speak to my granddad's vicar, who actually gave some really helpful perspective at that time. And he spoke to me about our existence as being on like a radio transmitter. So, you know, I don't know if you remember. Well, you know, if you're tuning a radio, you have to wait to get to a channel. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of white noise, but you tune into a, a specific frequency and you tune into the channel. And the vicar was explaining to me, like, how he still exists within the white noise, but I'm just no longer tuned into his channel and it all just really made sense to me at the time and I took a lot of comfort from that and anyway I came back from Scotland and then it was sort of getting into all the funeral planning so because his parents had already passed away the planning of the funeral was sort of falling on his brother and myself um, and there was some old family friends of theirs who I'd never known because they hadn't been actively in G's life while we were together but for some reason they just they didn't like me and they made up some sort of false allegation that I'd spent his inheritance money, which he never had when when I got with him in the first place. So they had this whatever they had against me and I just remember going to the um going to the funeral directors and these two family friends that were sitting right at the front um at the desk speaking to the funeral director and his brother and I was just like they just sort of cast me into the corner and I just couldn't believe it. I found it really, really hard. I remember the day of his funeral when the hearse turned up with his body in the back and just, again, that pang of emotion, that deep heartache, heartbreak feeling of just like, what has happened? How is this even real? I remember we pulled up to the crematorium and there were hundreds of people, just lines and lines of people. There were so many people that turned up for his funeral that not everybody could even get into the crematorium. And that was just testament to him and his character and how many people loved him. And yeah, when I tell you he was a character, <laughs> he was a real character. And I remember on the evening of his funeral and we were having like a reception sort of um wake a celebration of his life in this pub and i remember just going into the toilets and sitting on the floor crying just like 
What am I going to do with my life now? What am I going to do with my life? And in the days following the funeral, you know, there's less people around and everyone's getting back to normal. And I'm just there, like, my life's just totally different. You know, one minute I'm living with my boyfriend and the next minute he's dead and I'm living with my mum and dad again. Like, what the heck? Do you know what I mean? It was a lot to adjust to. And I was finding it really, really difficult to adjust. And I hated being by myself. But my mum and dad had to go to work. Do you know what I mean? People couldn't just sit around with me all day long. But I couldn't be alone with my own thoughts. It was just too difficult and too painful. So I'd get ready and I'd get a lift into town when my mum and dad were going in to work in the morning. And then I'd just spend the day walking around town just walking or just walk 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 <laughs> yeah it just gave me something to do to keep me distracted you know I was just going around looking looking at people going about their business and thinking you've got no idea what what's going on you've got no idea what I'm going through and I remember the day that the announcement of his um funeral was going to be in the newspaper actually and I remember going up to the newspaper man in town and asking if I could have a look in his paper and saying, oh, you know, my boyfriend's died. And I remember him saying, oh, don't worry, there's plenty more fish in the sea. Plenty more fish in the sea. <laughs> that wasn't what I wanted to hear at that time. And that's definitely not what you say to anyone who's just lost their partner. And that event was the beginning really of a mental downward spiral which went on for years and years and years my mental health really suffered as a result of that I was just so lost so hurt I was in so much emotional pain that I just couldn't I just couldn't process it it was such a shock like what do you mean I'm 18 years old, living with my boyfriend. What do you mean he's just dropped down and died in front of me? What do you mean my boyfriend is dead? And that pain has stayed with me still to this day. Like, as I say, I'm recalling this story and I feel it. I don't think something like that ever truly goes away. But you do learn to deal with it. Counselling has helped. But I remember going to counselling um, initially immediately after he died like my, my doctor sort of referred me to um for counseling and i just hated it maybe on the day of the counseling session i was actually coping and then to go into the session and have to talk about what i'd gone through and what had happened and the trauma of what had happened on that day was just way too triggering so i sort of parked the counseling and left it at that and it took years and years for me to go back to it but ultimately not really addressing the grief manifested itself in many different ways when you go through something as traumatic as that it's really hard to see any reasoning as to why you know people say everything happens for a reason and you're like well what's the reason for that sometimes it can take years to begin to even see what it's taught you about yourself and obviously I'd rather that he didn't have to 
lose his life and that I didn't have to experience such trauma to come through to the lessons of it. So I guess in sharing these stories of the the difficult times that I've been through, I just know that when I was going through what I went through, I felt like nobody understood. I felt like there was no one else out there who was going through what I was going through. And that made it quite a lonely and an isolating place. And I just hope that if there's anyone out there that is listening to this podcast who is going through something now, which is just massive and challenging and painful, that without sounding cliche, that just know that you're going to come through this the other side and you can come through this even stronger than you were when you went into it. And I've been through quite a few things now and more recently with my spinal cord injury and I come through the other side and I'm like, you know what? It was hard, but it showed me so much about who I am, what I'm made of, what I'm capable of and how I can use what I've been through to at least help other people to get through what they're going through. But listen, on your darkest of days, don't give up. I know it's going to feel hard sometimes and sometimes you might feel like you can't see your way through it. But there is light at the end. You just got to keep going. And it sounds cliche, doesn't it? That's all I could do was just keep going from one day to the next and keep figuring out ways that I could do better. So this year marks 19 years since he died. And that just feels crazy to me. 19 years. I was 18 when he died. So, uh, yeah, I was 18 when he died and it's been 19 years since he died. That's just a crazy concept to me. But here I am. I got through it. I survived. I made it. And I'm in such a good place now. Don't get me wrong, I've still got my challenges. I've got this spinal cord injury that I'm dealing with. But you know what? If it wasn't for what I'd already been through, there's no way that I'd have the resilience to get through what I'm going through now. So I'm always one to look for the silver lining. Because if you don't look for the positives, all you see is the negatives. When you focus on the negative, it just increases. But if you start to count your blessings, you start to notice more and I really live by that and you'll hear me banking on about that in, in a few of these episodes but count your blessings that's what's kept me going I was never expecting to lose my boyfriend age 18 to a sudden cardiac arrest it was just not something that had ever crossed my mind but one thing that that whole tragedy taught me was that life is short it's too short to be arguing with people that you love it's too short to be holding unnecessary grudges it's too short to not be living your fullest life so if you love somebody don't be afraid to let them know at every single opportunity just how much you love them don't fester in unnecessary beef and Don't waste your energy in unnecessary drama. Just love. Because when it all gets taken away from you just like that, love is the thing that seems to matter. Thank you for listening to my story. 
if you think this might resonate with anybody that you know, please do feel free to share it. In fact, I encourage you to share. Word of mouth really is what's going to help this podcast to spread far and wide. So I definitely appreciate it if each and every one of you could um, share it with at least one person. That would be awesome. And if you do share it on your socials, please tag us at The Curl Squad. And if you're on Apple, a really powerful way to support the podcast is to leave a cheeky little five-star rating and a written review. And you can tell me what you enjoyed. Uh, You can also follow us on Spotify and on Apple too, so you don't miss another episode. And yeah, I promise they're not all as heavy as that. (laughs) Thanks for joining me. Wishing you a blessed week ahead, girlfriend. Take it easy till next time.